Welcome to Looking for Shiprock. I'm Lynn Wilcox, and today we're talking about the people of Death Valley. Death Valley is magnificent. Wildly beautiful, strange, remote, awe-inspiring. It deserves these accolades and more. It's an odd place. Nothing quite like it exists anywhere else on this continent. Nothing is on a small scale here. Extreme is the name of the game. Colors are brighter. The mountains are higher. The valleys are deeper. The temperature is hotter. The vegetation is sparser. Whatever a desert can do, Death Valley does it bigger, better, and more passionately. No one I know ever visits Death Valley exactly twice. Either people come here, hate the place, and never return, or they come back time and again to experience one of the most outrageous places on the face of the earth. Relatively easy ways exist to visit. Travelers can come by bus or car to some very fancy hotels on the valley floor, or camp in the Panamint Mountains during the pleasant winter months. The roads in and out of the valley are paved and maintained, not freeways of course, but easy enough and safe enough for an RV or passenger car. The Panamint Mountains are an incredibly steep backdrop to Death Valley. They rise from the floor of the valley, which is about 280 feet below sea level at Badwater, to more than 11,000 feet up in the air. In just a few miles, they rise from the flats like stone walls climbing far into the sky, an impenetrable barrier. The whole area is a shock to the system. Land can't be this dry. It's incredibly barren, empty beyond words. This is desert to the extreme, a land so devoid of water, it pulls it from every visitor to use and reuse before it's lost to the hot, dry wind. And yet, there are springs that drain the nearby mountains. The valley runs north and south, and it's a trap. Getting in or out is difficult work. The sight of this incredible land is scary enough from your car or bus. Imagine walking into this valley. When you stare at the ruggedly dry flats and the hills, you absolutely know you can die here. Easily. People did and still do. Even today, every so often, the National Park Service loses a visitor to the heat and dehydration. Imagine, then, the Native Americans that live here. Shoshone and Paiute, small tribes of dark, wiry men and women. Capable, tough, and compact people who made this valley their home for thousands of years. They were here when the Spanish came in the 1700s and when the American mountain men started exploring the area in the early 1800s. The Shoshone occupied much of what we call Death Valley, with small Paiute clans nearby. These groups made Death Valley their winter home and spent summers in the nearby mountains. Archaeological evidence shows that the people have lived in this magnificent area for, for 10,000 years or more. And they lived fairly well. They had reliable food sources, and they had water. For such dry country, there are several springs and water sources. This is because of the valley's depth. It drains the nearby mountain ranges, and the winter snows at the high elevations provide a constant flow of underground water in the valley year-round. With water, the desert can flourish. 
and these native groups had a surprisingly abundant life in this dry land. Petrograph specialist David S. Whitley, who has exhaustively studied these and other native groups, calls them true environmental experts. As he asks in his wonderful book, The Art of the Shaman, what but a true genius could find sufficient food to feed a family in a place such as Death Valley? With mesquite beans plentiful in the spring, which they would dry or grind into flour for consumption all year long, and the annual pinon nut harvest in the fall, the first Americans had their basic foods for a good life. With the seeds of native grasses and sunflowers, wild grapes and snow cabbage, they could have some variety. Small animals, rabbits, squirrels, quail, and so on, gave them meat. By moving to the mountains each spring and back to the valley in the fall, they could avoid the worst of the seasons. By changing their home sites often, they could fit in with the environment without destroying it. So they had the essentials and they lived simply. They had no need for elaborate structures because the weather was always moderate, even if a little warm. They were also in a land that no one else wanted, with few neighbors, so war or the threat of war was not much of a problem as it was for native groups in other areas. And were they astonished when the first pioneer wagons descended into the valley? One Native American who, years later, went by the name of George Hansen, was about ten years old when the first Americans came. His story was recorded by an interviewer decades later. He said, The snow was on the Panamints when a strange tribe of other people came down Furnace Creek Wash, some walking slow like sick people, some in big wagons pulled by cows. Our people were afraid of those strange people and those cows that they had never seen before. Never had they seen wagons or wheels or any of these things that the people had. Those strange people were bringing big changes to the Death Valley communities, but those changes actually began some years before when the Spanish first passed through the area. Well, that's part one of our segment on the people of Death Valley. Feel free to drop by our website anytime for news stories and pictures and so on. It's at lookingforshiprock.com.